DJ, PK, and it's time to welcome in David Locke. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? Why do you chuckle? This is my one of my at least top three things I do every week. You call three games a week. We know you love that. So at best, I do love fourth. that, and I talk to Scotty and Hands, and I talk to Jake and Gordon, so that's why I said three, because I didn't want to play favorites amongst my children. <laughs> and so, and I have a tendency to ski, and that is truly my favorite thing. So, um, And then I have a family I should be including in this conversation. <laughs> well, maybe we're top ten. Yeah, you have a chance if I don't have, like, five ski days in a week. Yeah. All right, so uh, the game, the seven-game win streak stuff we normally talk to you about, but Donovan Mitchell's exchange with Shaq. Yeah, but why? But why? Overshadows. Like, why do we have to talk about that drivel? Like, seriously. <laughs> like, why? Because it's what everyone's I, mean, like, I can do it. Emotionally... Like, I can do a whole talk show, like, rant right now, and you're going to have to beep out a bunch of stuff, and <laughs> I can, like, undress what a fool he is. But, like, why not? Like, let's talk about seven straight wins. Let's talk about Jordan. Like, Zach Lowe, national columnist, wrote about Jordan Clarkson. Let's talk about that. Like, if we're so desperate to react to a bunch of blowhards who just have drivel and babble and haven't watched a beeping thing we've done all year and decide to have complete bullcrap about one of the model citizens of the NBA, we can do it. But let's talk about winning seven straight. Let's talk about the fight in the second quarter. Let's talk about Jordan Clarkson's development because that's bullshit. No, I don't want to. I'm going to talk about Shaq. <laughs> I actually just going to answer like Donovan. All right. Like, it was awesome. Let's just talk about how great Donovan was. It was it was like what a star. He doesn't bite, and then he comes on the presser afterwards and says, Let's not make it about me. Let's talk about the fact we won seven straight. Like he's amazing. He's the best, like, well formed kid I've ever seen come into the league. Ever. What Nicole and his dad, Don, did raising that kid, and I, you know they were separated for some of it. I think so. I don't know who did it, and I'll give them both credit. And whatever they did in that house to raise Donovan and have him be this, like self-aware. This is the kid who, as a rookie, dropped like forty and complimented the two G League guys on the bench for giving him energy in the second quarter when he didn't have any juice. This kid's a dream. So if you decide to use your national platform to not promote one of the great entities and products of the NBA, you're just a beeping idiot. (laughs) Is he good enough to get the Jazz to the next level? Who is? Anthony Davis was beeping terrible in Oklahoma until he paired with LeBron. So let's bury his ass too. And Dame Lillard's beeping terrible. And Bradley Beal just shoots a buttload. Stop this crap. There's two players on the next level. And you know who's not on the next level? The MVP. Like if we want to talk about guys who can't get their team to the next level, let's go over the next great person we have in this league. Let's go belittle and ruin the guy who sold trinkets on the streets in Greece to give his family money and then worked his whole way out of that becoming a basketball player when he didn't have enough shoes while his brothers and he were trading shoes so none of them could be on the floor at the same time and worked themselves to the NBA and our freaking model. Let's belittle that guy too. This sucks. The good news is it's only a topic because the Jazz have jumped a level. 
And they were Team 10, give or take, whatever. Uh, but now they're not. They're Team 4 or 5, no, the or, third, or they're maybe the they're better. Best team in the, they're the they, third best team in the NBA right now. Okay, they yeah. would And we're going to be the third best team in the NBA all year. The problem and, is, and this is legitimate discussion, the problem is the first two teams are so damn good. Clippers being number two? There's, I don't even know. I'm not sure. I think Clippers might be number one. In fact, if I had a pick, okay. I'm taking the Clippers. Okay. Either the, the two L.A.s ahead of Utah, though. I mean, they're so good. Have you watched them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, several times. And, like, we beat the Clippers. So, like, I've yeah. got to, like, we got to stop for a second. Remember, we beat the Clippers. But, like, right. I honestly, like, I actually remember there was a game. It might have been a Lakers-Clippers game. We'd have to look back, like, early March last year. So probably right before we shut down, there was like a Sunday afternoon or Saturday night Lakers Clippers game last year, and they and we were pretty good at that point. And they played, and I remember talking to one of our coaches. And actually, this conversation is now I think about it way more interesting than I'm realizing. So I'm now walking into a really interesting conversation, and I was like, "We can't beat them. Like they're both great." Now, little did we know the Clippers hated each other and there were all sorts of problems. But And the and they said, the person said to me, we can outshoot them. That's our chance. And I wonder now that I'm saying this, because I hadn't really thought about this story, and I don't know if you can pull up basketball reference. I don't have the computer in front of me because I was trying to be 100% focused on our interview today. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but I have a tendency to like maybe drift a little bit every now and then with you know my brain. David, do you understand? Oh, yes. Maybe. Do. <laughs> um, so um, if you look at basketball reference and see Lakers or Clippers, I'm guessing it was like March 8th or 9th they played. Um, and it's interesting now to think back that one of our coaches said to me, we can outshoot them. And that's our chance now. Like, we're not as good as the Lakers and Clippers. And I actually will be totally honest. I can't see a script by which we, and I'm not trying to be Shaq, like I just don't see it. Like they're so big and they're so long and they're so good and we can't guard a bunch of their guys. I just, like they're so good. Like the the Clippers are great. I mean, I think like the Clippers to me are like the perfect modern basketball team right now. Um, And then the Lakers have two of the five best players in the league. So that's like the difference to me between those two teams. Um, And I do just, I walked out of the arena last night thinking, wow, we're like the third best team in the league, but it feels like there's a grand Canyon between us and those two. Um, but the way to beat them is to go get 45 threes off and hit 25 of them and do that for three nights out of seven and hope they have a bad night in the middle. And next thing you know, you win a series. That's the only way. Okay. And now, right now right it, except for tone and timing, you sound a lot like the TNT crew. I mean, that's really Kenny Smith's point is they, they got to shoot it. Great. Well, they were the number one shooting team in the NBA last right. year from the three-point arc, so that's not impossible. You're not asking for a miracle here. Uh, but I, you're I basically saying... I have a problem with I have a problem with Shaq belittling Donovan after the game. So it's timing and tone. The substance, right. the Lakers are loaded, and if Donovan Mitchell's your best player and that's the way your team is built, you're not going to win. The Lakers are going to win. Yeah, and, but, and so my point of that is if... Damian Lillard's your best player, you're not going to win. Evidently, if James Harden was your best yeah. player, you're not going to win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, it's like you're listening right? like, to I mean, our show. You've heard. Well, we've yes. been saying that all morning. Yep. As long yeah. as Shaq says it to Lillard, Paul George, so forth and so on, don't just pick on Mitchell. 
Yeah, Anthony right. Davis. He's not the right. best player. He's yeah. the second so, best player. So as long as he backs that up, why pick on – it's easy to pick on some guy from Utah. There's not going to be a national outrage. Nobody's going to be talking about it this morning. But if you do it against uh, – on somebody from a more high-profile team and all that stuff, well, then you're going to get blowback. So he just did the, the low-hanging fruit. The thing that I thought was interesting was Kenny Smith saying that they must shoot the ball well. That's the only way they can win. And that was my thought for you. How true is that? So it's true on on one level. It's true, and on one level, it's like the stupidest comment I've ever heard. Okay, so we can go both ways on this one. I've thought about this actually. I thought about it a lot last night. So in this day and age, if you don't shoot well, you don't win. Period. Anyone. Anyone. So here's why it's the stupidest comment ever. Okay, <laughs> because if you don't shoot well in this day and age, when we're shooting thir- at least you know the minimum you're going to shoot is thirty five percent of your shots is threes. If you don't shoot well and you go, you know, seven of thirty five, you're going to lose. Like I can run the numbers, you're going to lose. And so, and then if okay, if you're not going to lose, what would you have to be? If you're if you have a bad shooting night, how would you win? Well, you'd win because you're an elite defensive team. Well, okay, we're the second-best defensive team in the league right now. We have the best defensive player in the world by a long shot. Like, that one's not even close. Like, we can go give the defensive player of the year award to somebody else every now and then, and we can be mesmerized by Anthony Davis because he's on television all the time. It's not even close what Rudy does. Players are shooting – I haven't updated it. New Orleans does actually better than anyone else because of Zion. But players are shooting 40 40- Actually, below going into the New Orleans series, but they did all right. 40% when Rudy's the closest defender. 40%. They're shooting below 30% when he's the closest defender from three. Like, it's not even close. He's the best player. He's He's the best defensive player the league may have seen in 30 years. It's not close. He's better than Matumbo. He's... The only player I think is as good as him defensively is Akeem. And so if you're going to win when you can't shoot, I would suggest maybe you have the best defensive player in the world. So, like, that's why it's the stupidest comment ever is because nobody can win if they don't shoot well anymore. And if you are going to try to win, then you have to be elite defensively. Oh, wait, we're that. Now, we'll see over time. I, I still am not totally sold on that this roster can be great defensively because I think it's a great shooting team and it's really hard to be both. Now, here's where it's not a stupid comment. Like, you can go give the ball to LeBron and you can go give the ball to Anthony Davis. You can go give the ball to Paul George. You can go give the ball to Kawhi Leonard in a way that you just can't give the ball to one of our guys. Right? And so I guess what we're saying is that if you just had to go get a bucket, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard, I guess, can go get a bucket better than Donovan going to get a bucket. I'm actually not totally sure that this is true, frankly. I would say, um, I'd say no. I think you just made that group too big. I'll give you, I'm assuming you mean a playoff pressure bucket, and I'll give you LeBron and Kawhi, but AD, uh, maybe. Paul George, no, probably not. We've already watched the playoff series. We know. It didn't happen. Like, I've been pretty critical of AD as a top five player in the NBA over the last five years. 
you know, let's give him a tip of the hat. With the help of LeBron, he was really pretty outstanding in the bubble. But last it's year. So, different being and, the second best player on the team in yep. the first, which is what Shaq is saying, and being part of Shaq and Kobe and Shaq and D Wade and Shaq and Penny, he's probably got a pretty good handle on that. Right. You know, and the one thing on Donovan, he's six one. Absolutely. So yeah, if he's, he's going to do it, one. he's an outlier. He's, he's right. a huge outlier in NBA history. It's a real short list, 10, 20, 30 years. Right. I mean, it's Allen Iverson. Which is, by the way, like I'll go back to qu- rookie year, Quinn Snyder looked at me and goes, the kid's Allen Iverson. We're going to have to figure out how to get him, you know, what to put around him. But he's Allen Iverson. That was like Quinn's call from the very beginning. Which is just like Quinn's so good at this stuff. So I would like to talk Clarkson. I think, can I talk about one other basketball thing that Quinn pointed out on the coaches show last night? I thought it was the most interesting thing Apparently, I've never yes. heard someone talk about. Apparently. Go ahead. So he talked about Royce O'Neal last year as the number one defensive player and having to guard everybody. As the, you know, he, Royce spends 37% of his time guarding the number one option, the highest rate of any player in the league this year. But it's his second year doing it. And so he's improved dramatically at understanding what it is to do that and how to do it. And Quinn just, you know, had a huge amount of praise from last night. I've never thought about that. That the same way we talk about an offensive player evolving throughout their career to understand how to do different things as they see different defenses, that here Royce O'Neal is developing. And we even saw it in last night's game, right? Brandon Ingram comes out, he's shooting, he's shooting threes, which he didn't do the night before, and he's shooting over the top of Royce when he gets into early offense, and then Royce you know, starts denying him the ball and forcing him out higher and changing the whole feel of the game. And I thought we saw it inside of one night where Royce really changed and just had great steps defensively. So Jordan Clarkson, it seems to me like he's checking a lot of boxes. He was, from the day he got here, he could put the ball in his hands and he could just go crazy. I don't know what express, whirling dervish, just dribbling all over the place, changing direction three times. Heck of a one-on-one player. But it seems like now, a little at 13 months later, you know, a bunch of question marks you have on a new player, and I didn't know, Right. How good is his basketball IQ? How coachable is he? You know, how much can he absorb stuff? And and like all those boxes are getting checked. He's eliminated a bunch of iffy shots. He's gotten uh, very comfortable with the catch and shoot. He would default to putting the ball on the floor. He's gotten really comfortable in the catch and shoot. He's an underrated passer. I don't want to compare people to Joe Ingles, you know, non-point guards who pass it like you know a traditional point guard would. You would expect him to pass it, but he's throwing some passes lately. I'm thinking, wow, I wasn't. I don't know if I wasn't paying attention early. If I didn't notice early, I think he's gotten a lot better at it. Uh, but man, I, it seems like major improvement, and he still does this. You know, come on in and just get you ten points in three minutes. Uh, but he's doing the other stuff too. So many things to touch on here. Um, first of all, how he did. I think last night was the night where he came in, like shot that corner three, like within ten seconds, and then like thirty seconds later buried another three. So you come off the bench, you haven't even broke a sweat, and just oh, have the guts to. I mean, it was incredible. Um, I agree with everything you've said about his game. Um, I did say the other night on the air, like I was, that, you know, it'd be nice if he mixed in a pass. And since that moment, he's passed actually a ton. So it's almost as though he felt it. He's, I think he is actually marvelously self-aware as a player. Um, he's one of the most fascinating people. Um, it's hard for us to get to know these guys now. And I was just getting to, and now it's all kind of side stories. But I mean, this is a guy who has the ability to, you know, I think hang in an, L.A. nightclub 
or chill. There's stories of him like living in a van for like a week or two off the grid to having an intellectual conversation with Quinn Snyder at the highest level to chilling with Australian Joe Ingalls to probably hanging in the inner city anywhere he wants. Right. Like he's just a chameleon of a personality, a little bit of a renaissance person. He's kind of, you know, it's interesting is that Zach Lowe in his article at the ESPN referred to him as Boris D.L kind of light on the floor. I actually think he's Boris Diaw off the floor, too. I think it's that same. And then there's just the cool factor. And I think it matters, right? Like, when you walk into the club with, not that I've done this a lot, but you walk into the club with the two, with the cool guy, or one or two of the cool guys, and you, like, you feel different about how you're walking into the club, right? You're in that group, you got the cool guy with you. And when you don't have the cool guy with you, and you're walking in with all the David James and David Locke with the stat geek nerds, you don't feel nearly as cool walking into the club, right? Like, it's, like, there's a difference. And Jordan has that cool guy element to him that does something for this group. So you think that the Jazz can beat anybody in the West, but you're not sure about the Clippers and Lakers. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think they're better than anybody in the East. Okay. Well, we'll just worry about the West for now because they may not get to the East. So with that in mind, on that premise, and I don't have any problem with that premise, then for them, does it really matter if they finish anywhere between one and four? How, what's the vaccine level in June? You thinking bubble again? No, exact opposite. Fans. Like, I mean, if we could get the one seed, it might matter. Well, I think the one seed would absolutely matter, wouldn't it? I mean, it's PK brought this up a couple days ago. How can they, are they really good enough to win eight playoff games against the Clippers and Lakers? Well, if you get the one seed, you only have to win four because I assume they'll be two, three, and you won't have to play them both. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't. I so, didn't think yeah, the I one was actually, I hadn't thought about the one. I hadn't thought about the one seed in the sense it means you only have to play each of them once. That's really that's a really interesting concept. For sure. Yeah. If it, if they were good, if, but if, in my mind, they're good enough to get the one seed. Then they probably, assuming that there's not a bunch of COVID and injury, they're probably good enough to beat either of those teams. Then. Uh, I see those as two different things. Okay. So, the did you see what we did in Zion last night? No, I didn't watch the game. <laughs> but like, I mean, yeah, it had to be like you know, like, like that was like we humiliated the poor kid. Like we have a system maybe more than other teams and a coaching staff that's more detailed than other teams that makes us a particularly good, in my opinion, regular season team when we get rolling. So like when the guys figured out and they're all playing well and we're so versatile and egalitarian and we're lacking that guy we talked about earlier, right? Fine. But it also means that like, okay, we can go have Jordan Clarkson, Donovan Mitchell, or Mike Conley go at your guy. Or last night, like they're trying to hide Zion on Royce O'Neal, and we actually just ran Royce O'Neal guard-to-guard picks, and like guys in Zion had no clue, and so like their whole defense was to not let Rudy dunk, so then Rudy dunked three times in a row because Zion was involved. Um, we can do that at a really, really high level in the regular season, which I think means that, and we can shoot it and probably get shots off at a really high level, and so I think in the regular season that leads to a lot of wins. 
and is why we could actually have as good a record as possibly the Clippers or Lakers in the regular season. But then playing those teams in the regular season, they don't have the same thing. Like when they have a lineup of Patrick Beverly, Nicholas Batum, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Serge Ibaka, like there's not a guy to go get. Like, and frankly, they're going to start more. They're going to play more a senior, and that lineup's going to be six eight, six nine, six nine, six eight, and seven feet. It's just stupid. And it's the same thing the Lakers can do, right? Like Dennis Schroeder's. Like, thank goodness for Dennis Schroeder because he'll probably be on the floor, and maybe you can go after him. But like when they have Caruso and Kuzma and LeBron and AD and Marcus Gasol, like they're six six or taller at every position. And our guards are six one. Like that's just a big difference. I feel like but I'm, I'm not going to really worry about that until June or July. I'm surprised how good we are. Like I honestly didn't see it. Like I missed on. I missed on this. I missed it. You well, didn't I really see. Did. I thought. I thought maybe. I thought it was a wide open race for three. But I didn't know how it would break for so many other teams. And I mean, when we were talking about this, we didn't know Houston was going to melt down and Harden was going to demand his way out and get traded. You know, there, there's a whole bunch of other things that have happened. You know, Denver lost three guys. Well, when, when the Jazz left the bubble and we started looking ahead to next year, we didn't know Denver was going to lose three guys. Right. So, And Dallas is better than, you know, Dallas has been COVID hit really badly. So yeah. Dallas is actually a little better than they, than they seem right now. Um, but that's like it, right? Like, am I, who am I, am I forgetting anyone in the West? Like Denver Portland, and Dallas are the only. Portland was three yeah, two years ago. Portland's and now done. Gone through injuries. Portland's done here for a while. Yeah. I mean, the Nurkic injury is really significant. We can couch it because Cantor's bad defensively, and that's a fun narrative. He's actually gotten better. He's not good, but he's not as bad as some other players. But Nurkic's pick and roll defense was outstanding this year, and it was two years ago as well. Like outstanding, top five in the league. And so for them to go from Nurkic guarding the pick and roll to Cantor guarding the pick and roll, I'm not surprised what San Antonio put like 130 on them the other night, right? Like I think they're going to be allowing. I think you're going to see Portland allowing really, really big numbers here for a while. Um, so I don't think they they can't hold through this injury. All right, David, we got to we got to run here. We're getting word that Joe Ingles is going to join us here in a few minutes. He's dropping his daughter off. So uh, thanks for checking in. Thanks for the discussion. We will talk to you so again you're next go week. Go on with Joe Ingles and say that Locke says, and you're going to make me have said all the same same things that Shaq and those guys say. And you think I said the same? I hadn't thing. thought thanks. about it, but now that you suggest it, sure, why not? Thanks. I appreciate it. You're coming welcome. Show. Yeah. Thanks, David. <laughs> One of my David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And his weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. Joe Ingalls is coming up next. Stay with us.